everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. Today, our insurance industry leaders. I am pleased to have Melissa Card with me again for a second session. Melissa is a director at PwC. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me back. In the past podcast, we had a broad kind of conversation around enterprise risk management. And today we want to really kind of drill down into a specific area around distribution channels and compliance within there. Um, Before we get started, however, just to kind of give everybody, in case they didn't hear the first podcast, to give a little bit of background about yourself and your role at PwC. Absolutely. Thank you. I have over 20 years of experience in the insurance industry, and I help lead PwC's insurance risk and regulatory practice. Our focus is on assisting clients with regulatory compliance and enterprise risk management support that ranges from establishing or transforming those corporate functions to helping operationalize the capabilities within the business units. And our typical clients are our PNC, life and annuity, and reinsurance companies of, of varying size from small startups in the insure tech space all the way up to legacy traditional carriers. As I said, you know, we talked about enterprise risk in our last discussion. I encourage people to go back and listen to that if you haven't. But building off of that, distribution channels and that whole regulatory compliance around distribution is just increasingly getting uh, more complex and challenging for insurers. Talk about what you're seeing about those challenges, um, particularly as insurers expand beyond just the traditional agent and broker channel and how compliance requirements build in that complexity. Absolutely. Thank you. So one thing I mentioned in our last discussion is how the protection of consumers is the number one focus for insurance regulators. And this starts with the way insurers interact with their customers or their potential customers. So expanding channels brings up a lot of questions about how are we able to engage with these potential customers? What are we allowed to say in either our advertisements or our actual direct outreach? The days of conducting business face-to-face, although not gone, because there's still a great portion of the population that want to work either face-to-face or over the phone, but our digital distribution channels are certainly expanding. Now we have social media and other interesting startups that are filling gaps in the market. So let's take aggregators as an example. If an insurer is going to partner with a tech-based company, how does that insurer make sure that the aggregator properly handles how it reaches out to the potential customer base and how it represents the insurer's coverages and pricing and the insurer itself? These are all ultimately requirements of the carrier to make sure parties are acting on their behalf in a compliant manner. So having a great relationship between your legal resources, whether that's internal counsel or external counsel, your compliance resources, and your business resources, and to that extent, your third parties that you partner with to interpret 
advise and apply the regulatory requirements in a way that allows for the ability to conduct business, protect the consumer from harm. And this is how I've seen carriers get this right. It's also worth noting for those that may not be as familiar, you know, the insurance regulatory space is really disparate with 50 different regulators in the U.S. alone. So as digital interactions and channels evolve, regulators are also working to keep pace with change and drive protection for those customers. That brings up a really interesting thing. We kind of talk about these different channels and this complexity It really means that the methods of managing licensing compliance has to change and move away from spreadsheets or trying to do it within the policy admin system. How should insurers kind of rethink this? Because that gets to one of the most core elements of making sure that they're authorized to sell the types of products out there in the market. Absolutely. Yeah. In our last discussion, I talked a little bit about becoming more digitally enabled and automated. And this is a great example of where that can be felt very quickly. So managing licensing and appointments is a process for insurers that's well-established. It's a known process, meaning it doesn't change very frequently. And that makes it a great opportunity to leverage automation and digitization to gain efficiency and speed in the process particularly with a complex and diverse distribution model where you may have sales structures that include partnership agreements, MGAs, captives, independent sales force, et cetera. You know, even with these complexities, the process itself is still the same. So it's a great place to start within compliance to bring digital capabilities to, you know, a historically manual process, get that automation going and and feel the savings. One of the other things that kind of ties into this is how does automation and really next generation distribution management solutions come into play? Because like I said in the previous question, a lot of carriers have really leveraged just spreadsheets. They might have built some in-house legacy systems or they tried to manage it within a policy admin system. And as they've transformed their core policy systems, They're beginning to really kind of pull that out and rethinking how they're really going to manage distribution management and all the different channels in a different way. So how does this all come into play from a compliance standpoint? Sure, absolutely. I mean, automation, like you said, is helping insurers keep up with the demands of the changing customer base. So as new generations start purchasing insurance, there are different needs and desires when it comes to that relationship with your agent. So next-gen technologies allow insurers to share information in multiple platforms and mediums, reduces the amount of time between communications when certain activities can be done in an automated way, and it allows the customer to do quite a bit of their own research or review prior to having that next human interaction which is still important. And I mentioned it before, research still shows that when it comes to the big decisions and discussions, a majority of customers still want to have that in-person or verbal discussion, but there's a lot of desire to do their independent research and planning as well. So this also allows insurers to reach customers that at one time may have been out of reach. As more customers become comfortable with online transactions, insurers have the opportunity to connect with more agents and customers directly and expand their distribution networks. So one of the things that we've been talking about with PwC is really this, is this distribution maturity model that we've jointly kind of collaborated on with your PwC colleagues. 
And as insurers think about compliance in the future, they really need to be at a level three or four out of the five different levels that we kind of define within that model. Talk about what it will take to get to that level and why it's so important from a regulatory and compliance standpoint. Sure. Great question. So maturity levels one and two, when you're talking about a five-point scale, are typically focused around capabilities that either don't exist at all or only exist in, say, fits and starts. So there's no official governance and standards in place. Oversight is minimal. Basically, people are trying to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, but there's no sustainable and consistency of form and function. So when you get into maturity levels three and four, you start to establish frameworks, you set principles and standards. The company takes a particular stance on how distribution, as an example, will operate. And that includes not only the execution of distribution processes, but everything that surrounds it. So including how the customer is going to be treated, how employees and agents are managed, how compliant the operations are, what risks are managed through those operations, and how systems impact the processes, all of which is supported by some level of reporting. Now, these maturity levels start to demonstrate repetition, consistency, and an overall reputational perspective for the organization. Then when you get up to higher than four or like the higher levels of four and five, you really bring in the concept of embedded capabilities. So technologies and systems are used to the best of their abilities. Manual processes are reduced as much as possible. Data is leveraged to provide insights and support decision-making. And ultimately, there's a connection of all those surrounding elements of process execution, people management, risk management, and compliance to allow the operations to be effective and efficient in this new digitally enabled and embedded environment. There's certainly a cost associated with maturing in this fashion, particularly at that top level of five. And each company should evaluate that cost and the associated return for themselves. Typically, you see this type of maturing as a progression over a period of time. It would be very costly, for example, to jump from a level one maturity right to a level four very quickly. And it will likely also put undue pressure on the infrastructure and employees as well. So really looking at at maturity as a journey, be realistic about where you currently stand and where you want to be and know that any change includes a change of culture as well as managing that change for sustainment both of which is going to require a tremendous amount of effort and diligence from leadership. Really great point that not everybody is going to want to or need to be at that level four or five. One other quick question to kind of tie into that maturity model, Melissa, is that as insurers really move beyond just the agent channel or the agent or broker channel, that has been pretty predominant, particularly in the PNC side versus the LNA side that's been in a multi-channel world for decades. But as we continue to expand those channels in both segments of the industry, the more channels you're bringing, and that brings a lot more complexity, and it really brings out the need for more of that maturity uh, because you're managing a lot more than just one single channel and just selling the few products that you've got out to that channel. It just brings in so much more that having that level of maturity and automation and transformation becomes increasingly important. Wouldn't you agree? 
Absolutely. And this is where I'll plug compliance a little bit too, and where I see compliance functions moving. Historically, compliance functions were set up, you know, in the center and set principles and standards and sort of told the organization how we want to act. I'm seeing a movement towards embedding those compliance capabilities into the first line of operations so that they understand the business and they can operate that business in a compliant and efficient manner. So they're reaping the benefits of both that maturity of compliance understanding, but also are we being digitally enabled? How's the business changing? Things like that. Yeah. So I think the key for companies is that as your strategy continues to evolve, you continue to respond and adapt to the changes in the marketplace, including expanding channels. You need to really kind of look at your overall operating model and the maturity of that in light of what that new kind of market environment is, including regulation and compliance. Absolutely. Well said. So if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be for this segment of our conversation, Melissa? Okay. So last time I did choose automation, and I think our conversation today still plays in that space. However, I'm going to go with transparency. When it comes to the support functions like compliance, an important aspect of the role, aside from setting those standards that organization can follow, it's bringing information to leadership for decision-making. It's to showcase how well we're doing on our journey. Where do we have behavior that we should address? Where do we see early red flags that might need retraining? Where did we grow too quickly? And maybe we made some hires not quite aligned with our culture. These are all things certainly viewed from the bottom up by your management layer. However, seeing data and reporting on an aggregate level, you can find trends and early indicators from that top-down view. And it also makes things very clear to executive leadership, your employees, and or the board and investors. Well, Melissa, has always been a great conversation, and it's an area that is always one of those internal kind of priorities for insurers when we do our annual research around strategic priorities. But I think with the continued evolution of the industry, the continued complexity, but the need for transparency, your word is increasing. Insurers really need to kind of adapt to that, particularly as they think about their distribution channels. So thank you so much for this conversation and look forward to our next one. Thank you. You too. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.